So this episode of the Burning Rooms podcast was recorded before all the COVID-19 restrictions came into place, but we still feel like it's really relevant, especially for the coming months ahead in the in the coming season. And it is actually the last episode of season two. So we hope you'll enjoy it. And if you want to get more content during during the coming weeks before we get rolling on season three, then feel free to join our Patreon. We will continue to work for those who have joined the Patreon, which by the way, we got another patron. Thank you to Jason and Paige for joining our Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want your feedback. We really appreciate sewing into the show and, and allowing us to put out more content. And yes, you get your own theme song, so we'll be in touch. And that will be coming at you for season three. So again, thank you for joining us the second season. We are really looking forward to what the Lord has in the coming season ahead. Hoping to have some new guests and perhaps a new host and some new segments. So stay tuned. Keep in touch. We want to hear from our listeners and enjoy the last episode of season two. Empty prayer rooms. If you've been pursuing a life of prayer, you're going to run into this reality at some point. Many of us who are called to fast and pray for revival and breakthrough have had to deal with the reality that at times, this can be a pretty lonely calling. We feel the urgency of what God is doing, or at least on our best days we do, but so often it can feel like we're the only one. It can be profoundly discouraging. But there's something much bigger going on. Our friend and co-worker Pam had an experience like this a number of years ago in Europe. She actually wrote a blog series on it that later went viral. God is up to something in our day, and we look forward to discussing it in today's podcast. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you to the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, we share the stories to strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Brian. I'm Jehu. And today we are joined by our good co-worker and friend, Pam. Hello, Pam. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast. It's great to have you on. So as Brian said in the intro, there's a, a while back... Our staff at Sanctuary House of Prayer, we were commissioned by our director for each of us to write a blog series for the website. Uh, we all pitched in and, re- and released a new post week after week. We all had a series, and they were all filled with great content. But there was this one blog post that seemed to surpass them all. It was like getting tons of feedback and a lot of people reposting it, people that we didn't even know. And we believe that the subject matter of that post is really on the Lord's heart, so we want to bring Pam in to talk about it. So Pam, can you summarize the post for our listeners, for those who maybe haven't had a chance to read it, and we would encourage you to go read it, even pause right now, and you'll find a link to the post in the show notes. But for those of you who haven't read, uh, can you give us a quick summary? 
Sure. So I had been traveling in Europe in 2015 for a friend's wedding, and I went to a camp in Poland. And during my time there, I was just interested in visiting different houses of prayer, any that I was able to be invited to or have access to. And so I remember I was in three of them and in three different countries in Europe. And I remember asking the Lord just for this encounter. I remember stories from people from IHOP that would travel and they'd come back with these massive encounters in different prayer rooms. And I thought that would be <laughs> kind of cool, right? And and yeah, I just, I mean, I like a good encounter with the Lord. So I just said, could you just, you know, encounter me as I come into the prayer rooms? And I found myself in three different prayer rooms, mostly with a handful of people in them, maybe, you know, some of them, 10, that would probably be the, the most that were in there, but some of them too, and, and or just the worship team. And then I would come in and sit for a bit. And so... I remember coming home and saying to the Lord a little bit disappointed, not at him, but just in the experience, right? And just saying to him, I wanted an encounter with you. And I came into all these empty prayer rooms and I feel a little bit disappointed about that. What's, you know, what's up with that? And I came home and I was talking to my nephew. He wanted bedtime songs. And so I sang the normal bedtime songs. And then he said, I don't want those ones. And he, at the time, really liked this Misty Edwards song that was, it's called People Get Ready. And, but he called it the grave song because it says he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. He didn't stay in the grave and he's not staying in heaven forever, which for a three-year-old was a kind of funny song. But anyway, that was a whole other story. But I'm a children's pastor and, and I love Jesus and the end times and all the things. So, that's a bit of why he was asking for that. But anyway, as I saying that to him, I was thinking about this. And, and then he said, I want a song about Noah. And I thought, the only one I know is the Noah's Arky Arky song or something <laughs> like that. And I, I kind of cringed. And, but I sang it to him and added a few, you know, Jesus is coming back parts. And, and then I was driving home and I was thinking about Noah and the ark and and this little um exchange that Luke and I had had and and the Lord then I was back in North America by then and he, the Lord started to speak to me about these empty prayer rooms strangely enough and and he just said Pam they're building the ark and it took me a minute but but I realized he's talking about these prayer rooms and the ark was empty for a week before it rained and that they were building something that is for a coming day, just like Noah was building for a flood that was coming, but no one had ever seen. Hmm. It's about to get good. <laughs> so Matthew 24 Jesus says this, he says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew, that nothing, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and it took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, and one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So I think that's part of the reason that this blog struck a chord with so many people among the nations, actually, because there is this verse in Matthew 24 that these days will be like unto the days of Noah, and that they thought Noah was crazy for building this ark for a flood that they had never even seen rain before, didn't even know what it was. And yet he's building this big boat in obedience to the Lord because he asked them, he asked Noah to do it. And these ones in the empty prayer rooms today are the modern day Noahs that the Lord's raising up. And if you don't have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord's doing in our day, and that there is a great and terrible day of the Lord coming, where there's great trouble and great revival, light and darkness at the greatest hour of history, then you will not understand why these prayer rooms exist and you will not go and you will not pray. And these ones have heard the word of the Lord prophetically that there is that there is a day coming and biblically we know that it is coming, the great and the terrible. And so they are in the ark essentially preparing for that day by praying and being houses of prayer and the praying church. And so they're the righteous ones, the obedient ones that have heard the word of the Lord and that the world sees as crazy because they don't see it coming yet. And we haven't seen it fully yet, right? But the Lord spoke to them to build the house of prayer and they've done what he's asked of them. I think that urgency message and the Lord returning, it brought a lot of us into the prayer movement, like just because it, it was such a radical message that was not being taught anywhere else. And it, I, I really think it stirred something in a lot of us that brought us into the prayer movement initially. But now, like years later, here we are in small, empty prayer rooms. And I, I think maybe with that strong, okay, the end times are coming, trouble's coming, and then we see these small, empty prayer rooms. What impact can an empty prayer room have with all this great, terrible trouble coming in this final day of the Lord? I think we look at it and we just see weakness. I think there's a real question of what storyline do we find ourselves in right now? And I think in large part, we've completely separated ourselves from the biblical narrative, the biblical storyline of what God is doing in, in, the, in the earth right now, and what scripture even says is coming before the Lord returns. And so, you're right, like, like it, it was interesting that there are a lot of people who came into the prayer movement because of this, this message, like, Jesus is coming back, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of people who just came in because, like, well, I love Jesus, I want to sit and sing, and sing love songs to him, and others are like, well, I look out on my streets, or like, in Winnipeg, I drive down the streets, and, and I, I do not have to drive far from my house, and I can see the impact of the meth crisis, I can see the need, I can see that prayer is urgent. And it's easy to get so caught up in life right now that we miss the bigger picture. But if Jesus is coming back, why, why does a prayer room matter? How, how is a prayer room actually an ark preparing us for what's to come? 
For me, when I look at Jesus' sermon in Matthew 24, I'm just astounded by how often he talks about deception and needing to know the truth. He starts out by saying, see that no one leads you astray. And later on, again, he says that we there's going to be false teachers and false prophets who are going to try to deceive even the elect. And if we want to be prepared in that day, if we want to be standing in the right place when the Son of Man returns, we have to know who the Son of Man is. We have to know Jesus. We have to have an intimacy and a connection to not be deceived by false Christs. We have to know who the true Christ is. And the prayer room is that place where it's just you and the Lord, where you have your Bible open, you have Holy Spirit living on the inside, and you're encountering God. And so I see the prayer room as the vehicle for allowing people to go deep in God, to go deep in who he is and encountering him and really meeting Jesus. Because the end times is much less about dates and names and timelines as it is about knowing who Jesus is so that when he returns, you're going to know who the real Christ is and who the false Christ is. I think we can be in the prayer room now to build history with God. And not only that, we can we can be prepared so that we can prepare other people, right? So that we can walk alongside them when trouble comes, when they don't understand what's happening and even judgments coming from the Lord and they're misunderstanding that. And we can say to them, no, this is actually His mercy and this is this is the God that we know and love and and you can be close to him too and, and prepare them for that day as well. I feel like there's a part that we often miss when it comes to what the Bible says about the end times. And we focus on this idea that we can't know the day or the hour, but we forget that repeatedly Jesus said in the Gospels, keep watch. He said to be alert. And in fact, in Matthew 24, he says, no one knows the day or the hour, but he spends almost the whole chapter telling us about the season that Jesus is going to return in. And I just find that interesting because we, we and then we take that and say, well, I guess we, we just don't know. But it's interesting that in the days of Noah, Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, in the days of Noah, many of the people had no idea that it was coming. They were eating and drinking. They had no clue. But Noah actually did. Noah was a man of righteousness with understanding about what was on the Lord's heart. He heard the voice of the Lord and the Lord said, build the ark. And a hundred years he spent laboring to build, to build this thing. And when the day of the Lord came in in that setting there and the the floods came, you could say nobody was ready. And that's not true because Noah was ready. And the the family members he took with him were ready as well. And the Lord is asking us, I think, in this season for the exact same thing. The house of prayer, I believe, is a mercy stroke of God to raise up these praying communities where we would sit at his feet, we would encounter his word, we would encounter his heart, we would prepare our hearts so that we're not moved or or shaken in the middle of the oncoming trouble. But it's also a mercy stroke because the Lord wants to prepare the nations of the earth for the return of his son. Well, and I think that, you know, he says he tells his friends, his servants, what he's doing, right? And in yeah. Amos, and and that was the thing with Noah. He was God's friend and a righteous man. And I think in our day, we have a, a place, an ark, so to speak, where we can go and learn to live in a prophetic spirit before the Lord and learn to listen to him about what what he's doing in the day and the hour, right? And, and the things that are coming so that we aren't in the dark about what he's doing and we are his friends and he wants to tell us biblically and prophetically what he's doing and and ways to be prepared for that. It feels like 
all across the prayer movement in the last few years, we've been going through this season of just pruning. And there's been testing, and it's been hard, and it's not its not one prayer ministry, it's many prayer ministries that have been struggling. And we're hearing it from other leaders as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's from like across the, the, our nation, but, but other nations as well, that, that there's just real pressure coming in the midst of this. And so, th- this raises a, you know, like, there's just real tensions that come with it. All of a sudden, we don't quite have enough singers to do everything we want to do, or enough musicians, or enough finances, or maybe the, you know, in, in your expression, you've been you've been meeting in a church, or or maybe you even had your own building, but then there's constraints that came, and all of a sudden you couldn't do what you were doing before, and sometimes you, you start asking yourself, like, what am I doing? Like, is this, am I nuts? Like, well, like why, why did I say yes to this in the first place? And I think we've come through a season where many people have been asking those questions of themselves, of like, does this really matter? Does this does this really like? Is this even making a difference? And I think part of the power of of that encounter that you had, Pam, and I think it's even one of the reasons why so many people were drawn to that post is because people were asking like some of those same questions, like, "Okay, our prayer room isn't that big, and it's not that anointed, and it's not that awesome, and it's not like we we signed up for something awesome." I, I sometimes think about like trips to IHOP with the amazing worship teams and stuff like that, and you're like, "Whoa!" And then you get back into your into your normal setting, and it's like, "Okay, now it's just me praying on the mic. It's not like Alan Hood praying on the mic or Corey Russell or something like that, right?" And it's and then it's so easy to think like, "Does this matter?" It's so easy to lose sight of that. Yeah. So there's this. There's the quote from from Pam's article here that kind of it talks about a little bit what you were just saying there. Uh, Perhaps you are in a season of hiddenness and building seemingly empty prayer rooms. Perhaps you too are wondering, is this crazy? Too over the top? Did I really hear the Lord? Well, first of all, our director, he talked to us about how, I, I think this has to do with the whole prayer movement, not just our house of prayer, how this thing is not going down. This thing is just starting to go up. It's like we're at the bottom of the mountain where it came through a time of pruning and difficulty, but this thing is going up. And I don't know if that means full prayer rooms or if it if it means that the Lord's going to extend grace to those many empty prayer rooms and the Lord's going to extend grace to the ones that are giving themselves to this thing year after year after year. What kind of, what other words of encouragement Maybe, Pam, you have something to say to them. Could you give to those who have just given themselves to the prayer room year after year and they're discouraged at this time, feeling, not feeling like it's going up because maybe no one's told them that. Maybe they haven't heard that prophetically. Uh, we're saying it here, but what kind of encouragement can, would you give to those houses of prayer? So I was thinking of the verse in Genesis 7, just when they've gone into the ark and they've sat waiting for a week, it says, and I'm sure they wondered what on earth they were waiting for anyway, because they had never seen rain and surely not a flood. And, you know, a week is a long time, you know, when you don't see what's coming and you don't really know what's next. And we can't know for sure what the Lord exactly told Noah, but so they're sitting in an empty ark, but with animals all around them wondering what for, right? And so I think we could say the same a little bit of the prayer rooms today, where it's like, we don't fully know where the Lord's going with this. And 
Then in Genesis 7, it says the Lord closed the door. And there was a window of time where they were able to get into safety and they were able to know his heart. And then he closed the door of the ark. And I feel like he has closed the door to some of these prayer rooms. But I felt like the other day when I was just praying about being on the podcast, I felt like there is also a day coming when the Lord is going to open the door. And he opened the door of the ark and they saw what had happened and what the Lord saved them from and what it was unto. And there is a day coming where the Lord is going to open the doors of these prayer rooms and people are going to flood in and the prayer movement is going to grow and revival is going to come and we are going to see what the Lord was doing in the season that we were hidden and struggling financially and struggling with resources and not enough people and just pressing on because we love him and because he's worthy of it, you know, whether we see what he's doing or not. But there is a day coming of great revival and great trouble, and we will see what we've been saved from and what we've been saved for and what this was all unto. And so I feel encouraged to keep going, though it is wearying. And we have, even in our own house, been in a season where it has been difficult. Great triumph some days, but great difficulty just pressing through, right? And, and, but I believe that the Lord has the reward of himself for us to know him and to be friends with him and to see his kindness toward us, but also the reward of knowing that we got to be part of the story of bringing many to him, you know, in the day of trouble and in the day of revival. You know, there's there's glory for us in it with him and there's glory and saving for other people in it. Can you just pray over our listeners there about the encouragement and about just the the faith? Because what you're saying there, I feel my faith stirred. So I just want our listeners to be able to receive that from you. So Lord, I ask that you would come with the gift of your presence, the gift of your friendship. God, we want to be friends with you in this season, in the season of hiddenness, in the season of difficulty in the season that sometimes feels like mostly lack, God, we say that you are abundant and you're good. And we want to be your friends and we want to hear what you're saying and do what you're doing. And God, we want to be written into your story of what's coming on the earth, God, just like you did with Noah. And you wrote a story in your book of of what happened with him, that he waited with great faith and that you closed the door one day, but you opened the door and they saw what it was unto. So God, we ask for everyone who is in the season of hiddenness, in the place of prayer, in these seemingly empty prayer rooms, God, I ask that they would know your presence with them today and they would feel your kindness toward them. And that, God, you would speak to them even now about what this is unto, that, God, you would show them prophetic dreams and pictures and visions of what is coming, God, that they would be able to hang on to these things that you have spoken to them in Jesus' name. I feel like 
the Lord is going to start, for, for some of you who are listening to this, the Lord is going to start actually releasing clear revelation about the return of his son to you. And, and, and for some, maybe you've put it on the shelf for a while, but I actually feel like there's a number of you who are listeners who really haven't connected with that storyline at all. And if you're honest, it's like, Ugh, I, I don't even want to connect with that. Like, I just want to sit at Jesus' feet. But it's like, no, like you, you, you really want to know who this Jesus is you're praying to because he's coming back. And you want to recognize him on that day. You want to be found fully in love with him. Like the most, this is the, the day you should most be looking forward to. It's like a, like the, the one song sings, like a bride waiting for her groom. Like, man, we should be getting ready and excited about this wedding day that's coming. And so I, I actually believe the Lord is going to start to release an increase of urgency for, for many of you, even over the next number of months. And I encourage you just... Open up your Bibles and start looking through the passages, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, um, going through the end of Luke, go through Revelation, because the Lord wants to start to release a fresh urgency on his, on his bride in this hour. It matters that we're doing this. I think some encouragement we can also take from even hearing, even hearing some of Pam's story here is that while your, your individual prayer rooms often look empty, you are part of such a bigger picture and that there are empty prayer rooms all over the place. And if you put them all together, it's such a huge movement. And we're all going forward and we're all struggling at the same time, but we're doing it together. And I, I just remember one of the words Kale Mumby had for our, our house of prayer back in the day, like even if your house of prayer is only a few hours, like the Lord has given grace for different houses of prayer to have different amount of hours, whether you're going 12 hours a day, 24 hours a day, maybe it's just two hours a week. And and the prophecy was, it's enough. If the Lord's giving you one hour a week to do in your house of prayer, your praying community, it's enough. And I think we can all take encouragement from that. Yeah, I think we're part of a larger global body that the Lord in the last even 15, 20 years, it went from 10 prayer rooms that no one had ever heard of to conservatively, they say 15, 20,000 of them. Now, most of them have only a few people in them, but if you multiply that all together, that's 15,000 or so people that are praying across the earth and you're part of a greater story than you realize. And you got these different expressions. You got the burn 24-7 guys. You got the 24-7 prayer, which we had Shara on several weeks ago. And I just love that it's just more prayer happening and the Lord's just stirring people up because he, he is coming back soon. So he's stirring people up to get to know him better and to get in the prayer rooms and to understand the times and the seasons that we're in. I feel like there's fresh revelation for this end time message and the urgency of the hour. I feel like even 10 years ago, it was what I heard Mike Bickle talking about when I first um, went down to IHOP and was there for a season. And it was the thing that made my heart come alive, that Jesus was coming back and I could be part of ushering him back to the earth one day and, and just, and leading children in that as well. And I feel like it's been a long season in between, but I feel like there's fresh revelation coming about that message for the ones who have been laboring in the prayer room all these years. It's interesting that you mention the return of Jesus in relationship to children's ministry, because I normally wouldn't connect those in my mind. Can you help connect those a little bit? Sure. I Not, not that we shouldn't connect them. No, no, I hear what you're saying. It is a, a little bit of a strange concept, I, I suppose. I guess, so I feel like 
there's a generation that the Lord is going to return in. And whether we know the exact day or the hour, we are all going to have our own end times day, <laughs> meaning we're all going to die sometimes. So we want to be prepared to see Jesus face to face. But there is going to be an actual generation on the earth that is going to be here when Jesus actually returns to the earth. And so preparing children's hearts is not an unreasonable thing to do when you think about it that way. There's going to be five-year-olds on the earth that are going to see Jesus face to face without dying and going to heaven and seeing him. And so I feel some urgency on that to prepare children's hearts so that they know their friend Jesus and they can usher in his return as well and and help prepare other people in the way that a five-year-old can. You know, we're not expecting them to be 20-year-olds and tell them that. But they but they can have revelation as well of, of what Jesus is doing and that he's their friend. And so I feel like that's the way it connects for me. Do you find that it makes sense for the kids? Actually, I find that's something that makes their hearts come alive to you. There's something built into them that knows that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, and he is coming. And that's, I think, part of the reason why my little nephew is so intrigued by that song, People Get Ready. They all, I have four, two nieces, two nephews, and they all know that song by heart. (laughs) They will, they ask me for it. It's not that I like say, hey, let's sing that song. They will actually ask me for it. And so I don't think they're like different from other children that have heard that message. There's something that catches in their heart for them. Makes me excited for the 13-year-olds to write songs about the return of Jesus in this next generation. What are those songs going to sound like? I'm just thinking about my 13-year-old son. But Well, Eli grew up in that, and he now is old enough to be choosing to be in the prayer room on his own, and we've seen him come alive in there because he heard that message always growing up, and I don't think that it's left him it's only grown in him and now you're right when he comes with those songs that he will write just wait for it right it's gonna be cute but dangerous at the I mean, same he's 13 time years old and he says his favorite prayer topic right now is praying for israel right like i don't know any of the 13 year olds yeah. <laughs> and it totally. goes i mean it goes back you know how you, on those facebook posts you get your timeline like 15 years ago or whatever I got one that was 10 years ago, so Eli was three years old. I was reading the the book of Leviticus, and this little three-year-old Eli walks up to me, and he says, are you reading about the Jews? And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm reading. How did you know? And why would you ask me that question? So, I mean, the Lord's stirring these kids for something at such a young age. And be encouraged with your empty parents because... There's empty seats for the Lord to fill with young people, and He's going to do that, and I totally believe that. So, I think that's a good way to kind of end this episode. There's so much more we can talk about. It's quite an exciting subject once we get into it. We'll have to have Pam back on sometime for sure, because I enjoyed having you on here. Thanks for joining us, Pam. Anytime. So, before we come to an end of this episode, it is time for another... What does that mean? This one's so relevant. So relevant. And this, and this one, we didn't plan it this way, but it just kind of happened. We planned it this way. 
You might have, but Take I... Take credit. Okay. Uh, today's word or phrase is eschatology. Now, this is a term that you might hear in some houses of prayer and outside the house of prayer, but in the house of prayer for sure. So, if you're... Brian, if you're someone new walking into a house of prayer and they keep mentioning this word eschatology, what might you think that they mean? Well... It's great that you asked me because I I do a little bit of Bible college teaching, and um, the word eschatology is actually from the Greek, s meaning of, ology, study, and cat obviously refers to felines. And so, it is the the study of cats, and I, I actually tend to prefer s dogology, as it's a, it's a much more friendly and open field of study, whereas eschatology tends to be a little bit more aloof and moody, and, and so there you go, eschatology. And actually, I remember back in the early days of our house of prayer, there was this this nice old lady, older lady. She came in and she prayed for her cats. Uh, would you say that she had an eschatology? Yeah, she clearly there is um. She had a good eschatology. She was eschatologically focused. <laughs> so, Jehu, what does the real meaning of eschatology? What what is the real See, meaning? Brian was close because it does fr- come from Greek, and so ology definitely means study of. Uh, but he kind of split the first part into s and then uh, cat. That's actually just one Greek word, uh, eschat or eschatos or eschaton. There's different forms of the word, but all of that means uh, the last days, the end of things, uh, the the end of the world, the end of the age. And so the ology part is the study. So you're studying the end. You're studying the last days. You're studying when Jesus returns. So escat, not escat. It's one word, escat, and then ology. So study of the end times. You don't want to call it entymology? I mean, the thing is, these always come back to Greek words, right? So we could put ology in whatever we want. It would be catology then, not eschatology. Okay, well, there's the true definition of eschatology. I don't know what the study of cats would be, but catology? Anyway. Felineology? <laughs> I'm going to look this up. Oh, I was right. <laughs> Looking it up, the study of cats is actually felineology. Score one for the Greek. So we learned a few new words today. How about that? I don't think you'll hear that one in the house. Program. Perfect. <laughs> oh. Ouch. That hurts. Okay. Th- now is a very good time to end this podcast. Right thank you, Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get more information on our podcast, and yes, become a patron. You can get some more bonus content. Uh, not about cats, but more bonus content. And you can check out what kind of content that is by looking in our show notes. Visit our website, burningrooms.ca. We want to hear from you. Give some reviews. Share the show. Let's share the show. Let it grow. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Joel. He's not here. <laughs> <laughs> He's here. He wishes he was the here. just come together. <laughs> I don't know. It just rolls off the tongue. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Brian. I'm Pam. <laughs> this has been the Burning, Burning Rooms, Rooms Podcast. 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 Podcast.